Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of your favorite swimbait podcast, Scales and Tails, episode 56 tonight. We are joined by uh, I can I can say that he is now the youngest the youngest person other than myself. He's a little bit younger than me that we've had on the podcast. Coming from Oregon, we have Mr. Dylan Borsek, who you guys will probably either know from Swimbait Universe or I'm sure he's on Swimbait Underground too. But I'll let Dylan introduce himself and then we'll get right into it like we always do. Yeah, my name is Dylan Borsek. I am 17, born and raised here in Eugene, Oregon. Been fishing my whole life. And... That's pretty much it. So before we before we go down this deep rabbit hole, as far as Oregon goes, like how close are you to to all the Washington guys? To to you know uh, Daryl, Frank, Brent, Brian. How close are you to those guys? Uh, I live in Eugene, so it's basically smack dab in the middle of Oregon. But okay. I fish just about everywhere, so I, I go up to Portland a lot. So okay. not too far. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's that's what I figured. So. So yet another um, P and W guy. I mean, I've had, I've had Danny or all you guys on. There's still a couple of guys that I need to talk to, but we're slowly expanding. We we finally got out of Washington and now we're into Oregon. So, so uh, so Dylan, to to start it off from the beginning, how did you, how did you get your leg into fishing? Yeah. So growing up, my dad was a salmon and steelhead guide in the fall, winter, and spring, and then going into the summer, he'd switch to smallmouth. So you know, ever since I was. I think I was even in my stroller. He'd take me along on his guide trips. And then, you know, from there, it just kind of branched out. We got into the smallmouth thing and then eventually into largemouth. It's, uh, I, I know I've said this before because I know Frank, uh, Frank Hudlid, he, he does the steelhead and salmon stuff. And it's always like, it's cool to hear that your dad did the salmon, steelhead and trout thing. But yet he also did the smallmouth thing because it's usually, especially here, I don't know about the PNW, but here it's like you're either hyper fixated on the trout or you're hyper fixated like on the bass or, or whatever else there is. There's not many guys who who go and do both, especially like chartering like that. That's pretty badass. Yeah. And I mean, really, in the beginning, uh, he wouldn't do many smallmouth trips just because like the summer steelhead was a thing. But then when that started going down, then the smallmouth really started to kick in. Right, yeah. So, man, so you guys are smack dab in the middle. Was he like? Did you guys have to go pretty far to get to steelhead, or do you have streams that that come that the fish swim to you guys more or less? Uh, well, about an hour from my house is the main one we fish now. But uh, back in the day, I mean, he went to California, Idaho, Washington. I mean, he traveled everywhere for them. Damn, that that's that's pretty crazy. And these are like these are D run like uh steelheads so they're they're full of piss and vinegar ours up here um i'm not gonna say they're tame but they're they're definitely not what you guys have out there that's for sure yeah no i mean some of these streams where these fish get in they're just got piss and vinegar running through them and you know 30 minute fights and all they do is jump and cartwheel yeah that is that is so badass so when you were finally old enough to fish was it kind of more of a steelhead thing for you since that's what your dad was doing majority of the year yeah for sure i mean i think until about the age of seven or eight it was all steelhead and salmon and then you know once the smallmouth thing you go there and catch 300 in a couple hours so it was it was more appealing you know yeah exactly you're not out there to fit you're not out there only catching seven eight fish like you would with steelhead or anything like that 
And yeah. was, was that like the first couple times you had gone out for smallmouth when you are a little bit older? Was that kind of the point in time where you were like, okay, like this bass fishing stuff is pretty cool? Yeah, I never really knew about largemouth until probably the age of 10, but that smallmouth, I would, you know, that's what I lived for at the time. Yeah, were these were these river smallmouth or were they lake smallmouth? We have mainly river smallmouth. There's like three or four lakes around us that have them, but definitely not the size and the quantity of the river. Damn, that's that's kind of surprising. I, I I know obviously I'm speaking for myself, but when I think of PNW, I think of like clear, cold lakes where smallmouth and largemouth just go hand in hand. They're like super abundant, and to hear that. You only have a couple around you with smallmouth. That, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, especially in Eugene, there's not much more. Southern Oregon has a lot more smallmouth lakes and big smallmouth in them. But, you know, up here, tops out at four and a half to five pounds is what I've found. Yeah, damn. So when you were growing up fishing the river and stuff, how were how you guys fishing for the smallmouth? Like um, probably, what, like 10 years ago so? I mean, were you guys like drop shot for them or Ned rigs or not? Maybe, maybe not even Ned rigging, like more like jerk baits and stuff. Well, I mean, we had no idea about any of that stuff. We were just fishing like little robo worms on jig heads and just drop it right next to the boat and catching them. Oh, which is crazy thinking back. Yeah. So you guys were just like in the middle of runs almost, right? Yeah. You're just floating down the river and dropping them off the side of the boat, really. Damn. And they're they're that plentiful that you guys were catching that many a day? Yeah, there were a couple days we'd go out there for, you know, four or five hours once we got the largemouth gear instead of just the robo worms. And I think we got 350 within four and a half to five hours. Dude, that is, that's freaking crazy to even think about. Were they all like kind of cookie cutter, like 14, 16 inch fish? Yeah, you'd get a mix of like a three and a half to four every once in a while but but mainly that pound and a half to two pound range yeah so so this was right right around seven eight nine when did you kind of realize like oh my gosh like did you ever go on youtube and type in smallmouth fishing and see these guys you know doing something that you had never even seen of before to, to catch these smallmouth well so my family's not really a, a technology family my dad still has a flip phone but <laughs> it was it was once I got into playing basketball, my coach was a tournament guy oh, and yeah. he kind of talked about the largemouth. And then when we told him like, Oh, we go down here to catch, you know, 350 smallmouth," Then he kind of introduced us to like bigger bass baits, not swim baits, but like swim jigs and big top waters and stuff. Yeah. And then that's kind of when we switched over to the smallmouth with them. Dang dude. So like, it was like, you guys were just not necessarily fishing blind, but you were just catching fish, having a good time, and then at a point in time, somebody's like, oh, hey, like, you guys should go try X, Y, Z to go catch these fish. Yeah, I mean, for sure. And def- the largemouth definitely uh, helped with the smallmouth fishing, just the gear-wise. Yeah, dude, that's, that's freaking crazy. So how, how old were you around then? Uh, six, six and seven, I think were the two glory years of it. Okay. So yeah. So you guys kind of got an idea and then is that, is that when you were kind of like, okay, like the, the bass fishing thing is really cool. And I, I, I kind of have an idea how to catch these fish and stuff now. 
Yeah. Uh, so the smallmouth, you know, you go catch 350 of them, two pounds. And then once I had that tournament guy kind of show us everything, you know, seeing some of the baits that he was throwing, those big half-ounce swim jigs, I was like, man, I wonder how big these largemouth can get. And that, that's kind of what transitioned us all over. So <clears throat> when you guys were, were doing that kind of transfer over to largemouth, were you guys sticking in the river or were you kind of venturing to the lakes and stuff around the house to, to, to find these largemouth and see what they're all about? Yeah, there's not, uh, there's really one good river around me that has largemouth. Um, but at that time we weren't fishing that one. So we kind of went to a lake around an hour away from my house. And that's, that's really where it all started. Damn. Do you remember that first trip out there? I do. We went out there in a drift boat and rode across the whole lake. And I uh, was throwing a chartreuse spinner bait my coach gave me. And I had like a five come right off on the boat. I tried to boat flip them because, you know, I was used to the smallmouth. But uh, it was just after that, man. It was it was dynamite for a couple of years. Damn, dude. So, like, yeah, so that was like, you know, talking to your coach and stuff, that was like your gateway to to getting into the to actually targeting bass and stuff more or less for sure damn dude that is that is crazy and do you was was that like when you were hooked like you you were like oh i, I just want to go bass fishing now or was it still just you were just content with going fishing at all i definitely i'm i'm not even now i'm not big into the whole salmon and steelhead i'd rather sit up there on a deck and cast all day instead of just kind of sitting there watching the rods work so kind of right off the gate i was i fell in love with it your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by leviathan rods leviathan rods is a texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end made in the usa rod blanks every sale from leviathan helps support foster youth and their families with leviathan rods you're not only going to feel a difference but you're going to help make a difference too friends of the show will also get 20 percent off their rod purchases by using code scales 20 at checkout so whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. Yeah, <clears throat> so you said watch the rod work. Are you guys like drop back fishing for the steelhead and salmon out there? Yeah, so uh, like what you guys would relate to up there is like big crankbaits. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially in a river, you're just kind of sitting back, but you're plug fishing is what they call it. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, you're just kind of sitting there all day in the rain watching the rod tip bounce until it finally <laughs> gets buried. Yeah, so anybody who isn't familiar with what we're, like, trying to converse here, so more like, I'll, I mean, I'll break it down from how, how I had learned how to do it. So you motor up, you're going down the river, you go to this hole or run, whatever you want to call it. You go to the, to the top of the run, upstream of the run, set your anchor, get your rods all set out. Usually we used to do, like, seven rods. And I think they were probably like 40 yards out or so. Maybe not even that far. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've done it. But get your rods all set out. And more or less what all we would do is, uh, so like instead of the trolling motor remotes, guys have them for their anchors, for anybody who, who doesn't know. And we'd pretty much, you'd pick up your anchor, drop it down. You'd sit there for, you know, however however long you decide. And then pick up your anchor, you drop back down, you know, maybe 12 feet down the hole or run. And you just pretty much do that until you're all the way out. And more or less here, what you're doing is um, those flat nose crankbaits and stuff, they're just sitting down there right on the gravel. And essentially, 
the steelhead or or salmon or coho, whatever, even I mean walleye sometimes just come up and and hit that. And that I mean, is is that more or less what is it's what it's like out there for you guys too? Yeah, for sure. I mean, instead of like the the whole sled picking up and dropping down, we're kind of we're using a drift boat, so we're just kind of floating down. Okay, yeah. But same concept. Now, are you guys out there? Is it a lot of runs and like straight stretches, or is it a lot of like river bends and stuff? Uh, depends on kind of the river. They they really do change up here. Um, but more than less, we're just kind of doing straight stretches. Or when the water's low, you'll kind of push through, you know, a mile of river, and then you'll get like a deep cut that you'll push through with the the plugs, and then pick them up and keep going. Damn, that sounds fun. I want to say everybody I've talked to that does it out there. A lot of guys are just floating spawn, I think. And you're, I mean, you're the first person I've actually gone in depth and talked about it with because, I mean, out here you can catch them doing anything. And I just never heard of anybody uh, float back fishing up out there, which is pretty cool to hear. Yeah, and there's not many people, I probably just gave that secret away, but there's not many people doing it on uh, the river near me. They're mainly fishing like beads and bobbers and... Yep more stuff like that so we kind of go in and clean house because they've seen you know a hundred beads that day yeah it's funny you say that um my uncle actually wrote a book about drop back fishing he like pioneered it here in the state of michigan he he helped introduce the steelhead into the state of michigan in like the late 70s and he would take the governor out fishing and all the time back in the day but anyway we'll get back we'll get back into the bass fishing side of stuff so um, did your dad ever warm up to the feeling of bass fishing as much as you did or no? I think he, I mean, he still has a soft spot for salmon and steelhead, but, um, I mean, his favorite's bed fishing. I think it was two or three years after we really started, uh, when he would go up there and see, you know, a six or a seven sitting on the flat. It, that's what really got him hooked on that. But I mean, he's, he just has that soft spot for a man. Did he grow up bass fishing at all, or was it just literally you guys got into smallmouth fishing and then it just kind of snowballed from there? I mean, he grew up with the whole smallmouth thing just because, you know, when the summer steelhead runs kind of went downhill, the smallmouth was about the only thing to do in the summer. But for largemouth, he never, never went. Damn, dude, that's that's so crazy. But it's like the same thing up here. Like I said, um, my whole family, I mean, they're... Um, my uncle's in the freshwater hall of fame for steelhead fishing and my my grandpa guided and my my other grandpa guided and it uh for for steelhead and salmon and stuff and it's it's super weird to be the black sheep of the family because he like bass fishing i cannot tell you how many times growing up i got i just got shit talked because i bass fished by everybody in my family it was just it was super weird to 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 not be river fishing in my area i guess i don't know if it was the same for you as far as that Oh, yeah, dude, I know how you feel because I still get shit talked today because they're all, you know, coho fishing in early September and I'm still taking the sled out bass fishing. Yeah, dude, it uh, the last couple years when I still lived at home and and had the um, had the like the the salmon waters and stuff, I got into it. Don't get me wrong. Like I got super big into center pinning for for uh, for co or for uh, Chinook and steelhead and stuff, but it never was like this is what I want to do all year round. And there's a lot of guys here that do it, which is super cool, but it, 
I don't know. It just never stuck with me like bass fishing did. I don't know why. I, I, I'm surprised it didn't, but it just didn't, and I'm not complaining at all. Yeah, I know. I mean, same here, man. So you you start to get into bass fishing pretty hard. When did you, um, like, when, when were you like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and, like, you, you started, I mean, asking around and then putting all these new tech, techniques into place. Was it, like, like, you know, catch fire, like you were catching a lot more fish, or did it take a long time to learn this stuff? Yeah, so at the time that we really started bass fishing wasn't like a big thing here. I mean, there's definitely tournaments going on and stuff, but uh, the one lake close to my house never had tournaments on it. and No one really fished it, I think, for four or five years. There's only really one other boat out there. And I think it got to the point where we would go there and, you know, we'd try new stuff. You'd watch like lake fort guy and you'd see like a big texas rig or something yeah and that's that's when we kind of started putting it all together like oh the, they're feeding on craws this time of year and i mean we'd go out there and catch 15 or 20 fish in a couple hours uh i think my brother i want to say it was the fifth or sixth trip i think he got like an eight two on a jig and that's just holding that fish and netting it that's what really got me drawn to it that's crazy, dude. Do you know how old you were around that time? I couldn't be more than 13, 13 oh. or 14 in that area. So, yeah, so after that, you were like, you were hooked. And was your brother into it as much as you were after that? Yeah, at the time, and just up until about three years, he was going full time against it, you know, after school with me and all that. And then he kind of fell back in love with the whole salmon and steelhead. And that's kind of why I get shit talk now because I'm about the only one still in love with it. Oh man. Um was what well, I guess we'll talk about your lakes earlier because I'm intrigued with, with how your guys' lakes are out there. But so I mean you're 13, your brother your brother catches this eight two and stuff. And while your brother was still into it, you guys were going all the time and all that. At what point in time did uh did you like was there ever a point in time that you were catching so many fish that you got content with what you were doing and you're like well, I, I want to learn the next technique. And did you just kind of keep building on that? Or were your guys' fish like constantly eating a jig or whatever? And it was just, you were just content with catching fish. Yeah. So first, uh, it was the Cinco, the five inch wacky rig Cinco we found. And I mean, we were going out there during the summertime, you know, and catching, gosh, I don't even know, 50 or 60 fish a night. I mean, they just ate it that well. And then, they kind of got tired of that, so we'd switch to jigs, and then they'd get tired of that, and then we finally found the Whopper Plopper. I think it was, like, the first year that thing came out. Yeah. And, dude, I can't even, like, that was the holy grail bait at the time. We were going, catching 60, 70 fish in a day, a couple over five. You know, you'd lose one that was, like, seven. I mean, that was the bait to have. <clears throat> Damn, dude, yeah, I remember... Oh my gosh, when was that? That must have been like 2016, 2017 when the Whopper Popper came out. Probably, yeah. probably around there. And I remember fishing that thing around here. I, I missed a lot of fish with it. I never got like super big into it, but all my buddies did and they always caught a lot of fish. But the wacky rig, like when I when I first like started like legitimately catching bass and like having fun and trying to learn it, I I fished the wacky rig all the time. I'd fish it I 20 pound uh cabela camo braid on my 
I didn't even know, like now looking back at it, apparently uh, Mossy Oak made fishing reels at some point in time. I had one of those and then like a heavy spinning rod from Bass Pro Shops. And that was my wacky rig rod. And that thing, I still have the rod up at my parents' house and I pick it up every once in a while. And that thing is stiffer than a two by four. And I'm like, I don't know how I ever caught fish on a wacky rig with this thing, but that was like, that was the setup that got me into bass fishing. I, I couldn't even... I couldn't even begin to think how many fish I caught on a wacky rig, but that was like what got me hooked on it. Just like, it sounds like you did too. Yeah, dude, that wacky rig was just something special. And I, even the big fish around here ate it. That's, that's so badass. Was when, when you guys were getting into it, did you guys have, like you had mentioned that tournaments were not necessarily unheard of out there, but not necessarily super big. Was there decent tackle shops that carried good tackle and good rods and stuff? Or was it just whatever whatever you could get? I mean, we don't even really have a good tackle shop now for bass, uh, at least in my area. But uh, Cabela's was one, and they kind of had a few bass rods, mostly like the cheaper Abu Garcia ones. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, we just, even to this day, we don't have a really good tackle shop around Eugene for bass. I will say our... Um... Our, what is it? I think it's Cabela's. So there's two Cabela's in the state. There's one on the west side, which is where I live, and there's one on the east side. The one on the west side is super small, but it has everything. It has all your steelhead stuff. It has all your pike and musky stuff. It has all your bass stuff, and that's because, like, uh, the the town Grand Rapids is super, like, super fished hard for steelhead because the Grand River has steelhead and uh, salmon and coho that swim through it. And then all around it, you have all these lakes that connect to Lake Michigan for bass and muskie and stuff. So that's pretty cool. But on the other side of the state is where like the huge one is. And that place has freaking everything. And they don't have steelhead or anything on that side of the, of the state, but they, they do have like literally everything over there. But back up at home, there was one tackle shop and pretty much all he carried was trout stuff like, like uh, brown trout, uh, rainbow trout, brook trout stuff. And then crappie and bluegill stuff he had like nothing for bass and it was it was a super like big struggle growing up trying to buy stuff when i didn't have a credit card so i couldn't buy anything online but yet wanting all this new stuff that i couldn't get so i just had to settle for whatever this guy would carry at the time yeah damn dude so you guys like are fishing the wacky rig super hard it was this like in the spring summertime probably i want to say we got it in around december i think we're uh my brother had a phone at the time and he was just watching youtube videos on it and i think we bought a pack at tackle warehouse if if tackle warehouse was around at that time that's probably where we would have got it yeah and we went out in january and january around my area it sucks for bass fishing i think we got two that day which is really good Right. And was where you got you caught where you caught those two in January and you're like, oh, my gosh, we we're going to catch so many fish on this thing in the springtime. Was that that was that the thought that went through your guys's heads? Yeah, we didn't really fish much in the spring just because we had the uh, the later winter run steelhead. Oh, so yeah, I never yeah. got to go. But boy, once summer hit and everything was dead, that's all we would do. Damn that. So what's well, we'll touch on that a little bit more like your seasons go, because that, that's a question I want to talk to you about. But um, so you guys get the wacky rig and stuff. And then after that was the whopper plopper. Did you guys ever get into like uh, like crankbaits and jerkbaits and stuff? 
Not really. The jerk baits just kind of happened in the last four years for my dad. I still don't fish them. And crankbaits, we don't really fish much just because my home lake, what everyone uh-huh. calls it, is it's probably about 10 feet deep and then you just have milfoil. Oof. And we kind of find, at least in recent years, I've found fishing that like glide bait over them does a lot better than like a lipless crankbait. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, after, after that, you know, that 20, 2016, 2017 time, when did you get into swim baits? Like, did your brother find them first, like on YouTube or how did that come about? Yeah. So we were just kind of going around the lake one day and I stand up on like the bow of the drift boat and I'm looking into these lily pads and I go, man, that's looks like a white cooler floating there. You know, as we get closer, you're starting to see scales and we pull it out of the water and it's like, dude, I don't know, 12 or 13, like one of the biggest fish I've ever held. Holy uh, shit. And you look down the throat and there was this 14 inch kokanee that it choked on. Oh my gosh. So it was kind of at that point after, I don't know if I have the photos, but we took photos of it, measurements and everything. And I went home and started researching swim baits. And then I got in touch with Oliver Nye. Uh, yeah, and he he was kind of my gateway into the swim base. He he helped me a lot, dude. So, um, this I mean, this had to be like twenty five episodes. We had a round table. Me, um, Brian Speller, a uh, couple other people, a couple of our other buddies, and we got on the subject of what is like the most calorie dense food for a bass. And ultimately, we decided it was either kokanee or there's another trout. I can't think of the name of it. Like it's literally just a trout for other fish to eat. And, uh, and we talked about like, there's, there's that lake up in Washington that those smallmouth eat those kokanee on and they just get absolutely massive. And so like, is that something that's in all your guys's lakes or are those like planted kokanee? I don't, I don't know. Are kokanee naturally reproducing or are those all plants or fish? Uh, from what I know, they're not planted, but also from what I know, I want to say there's only a handful of lakes. We don't have any kokanee over on like the coast or any of that. They're more inland lakes. Okay. I want to say we have five good lakes with them in it. Damn, dude. So, yeah, if you, like, by the sounds of it, like, anywhere, if you have a lake and it has kokanee, like, obviously, you just you just said you guys pulled up, you know, a, a double-digit bass off the bottom of the lake that obviously seemed like it choked on it. Like, that. that is... I mean, if, if I had a lake that had kokanee in it, I would be fishing that place with like a 12 inch Nates or a hog hunter. Like I'd be fishing it every day before, after, during the trout stock, you know, during the winter, like that is, that's gotta be so sick. Like we don't have anything like that around me, unfortunately, but I can only imagine. Yeah. And I never believed, used to believe that like whole kokanee deal because I thought, you know, after seeing some other dead bass with trout down its throat that were big, not 13, but big, I just kind of thought, you know, kokanee was just another one of those things that people say really help them grow. But then uh, last summer I went to another kokanee lake and it was my third cast in. I had one over eight on my kokanee colored hinkle I lost. And dude, it, it was just like that all day. Still haven't figured out how to, what hooks work on that bait to hook them, but it was all day they were on that thing. Dude, that is, did you say it was a HUD? A Hinkle. Oh, Hinkle, Hinkle. Oh, okay, I thought you said HUD for some reason, but damn, dude. So, yeah, so we'll rewind it back a little bit. So you guys get this fish, and 
you guys take some pictures and you go home and start to research it and you hit up Oliver. Did you send Oliver the pictures and kind of give him the layout of the lake and in what your situation was or how did that how did you guys go about that? Uh so uh first I just kind of went on Tackle Warehouse and I found like an S Waiver 200, the 8-inch one. Yeah. And I bought that and then uh coming to a later date I texted Oliver and like told him what I had found and we kind of got on the subject of the 262. Mm-hmm. And that was my second ever swim bait, and my first swim bait fish came on that bait. Damn, that is that's freaking crazy. <clears throat> so, did you? What gear were you fishing the the S Waver two hundred and the two sixty two on? Yeah, so that S Waver, I had like a cheap, probably like thirty dollar Abu Garcia rod and a Shimano Kanan at the time. And I completely stripped the gears on that thing. So uh, after kind of seeing how the fish wanted that swim bait, like I had a couple over five that would come right up to the boat. I was like, man, I need to fish more of these things. So my first dedicated swim bait rod and reel was a G Loomis IMX Pro and a Cardiff 300 to throw that uh, 262 on. Yeah, so at this like... <clears throat> Were you like, I, I, I'm not going to catch any fish on this thing? Or did you just kind of have like stupid confidence when you first started with it? Yeah, it's funny you ask that. I had stupid confidence. It was, it was our first trip out and I was casting that thing. Everyone in the boat was making fun of me because it splashed like a bowling ball. And I think I cast it up in this log pile and started working it. And they were all laughing at me because I hit the log. <laughs> And it just splashed right against it. And then I had like a four come out and eat it. And that was the first ever swim bait fish I landed. Oh my gosh. Did they just, were they kind of like, oh man. Well, yeah, you, uh, they would like to see you do it again. Yeah, no, they didn't believe that I had one on at first. And then the mouth came up because, you know, these northern strains have smaller mouths. So they thought it was like two pounds and they got it in the net and they're like, oh God. Because at the time, of, you know, fours and fives aren't super common here. <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, was this on the lake that you had seen that huge double digit on the bottom of the lake, or was this like a home lake for you? This was a southern Oregon lake at the time. That at My 262, uh, a guy there was telling me that he fished some other big glide bait that looked like it at the time, and he said um, like that was the bait to have. Like a big glide bait was the secret to Oregon at the time. Damn, dude. So, so you catch that, you catch that four and was it just like, were you just hooked after that? You're like, I just, I just need to constantly fish these to, to, to see these fish that, that other people aren't catching right now. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of talking to Oliver and seeing his success, I was like, you know, I've never seen anyone fish something like this out at my home lake. Like if I could bring this up there, I feel like I could do damage with it. Right. How how were you fishing the two sixty two? Were you fishing it slow or were you fishing it super fast and erratic? I, I think at the time I was fishing it kind of slow, which it didn't have the greatest action. But uh, a couple years later is when I would start to really kind of work it like a jerk bait before yeah. I broke it. <laughs> and that thing had crazy action when you could get the cadence down. I think um, it's like <clears throat> fishing. Fishing it slow, like we everybody says, I mean, not even just with the 262, but this bait, like the um, Mega Bass stuff in general, guys are like, oh, it looks, it looks really bad to, to slow fish it. And I think 
The reason we think it looks bad is because we have all these other baits that fish super well slow. But I mean, your first trip out with it, you caught that four. Like it must not have looked that bad for that fish to come up and eat it. I can't imagine at least. Yeah. And I mean, it was a pressured lake. So once I caught that four, I was like, you know, something about this bait is turning them on because that wouldn't be the only fish I caught that day on it. So I kind of, you know, some reeling it fish or fishing it differently, I feel like helps. Yeah. How many other fish did you catch that day? Did you only catch one more or a couple more? I think it was two more. One being on the S waiver. Was the first one your biggest, the four? Yes. Damn, dude. Was anybody else catching fish of that quality that day or no? I think we got one that was like three pounds on a jig off of like a 30 foot rock pile. I think oh, that was the only other one that we caught. Damn. Damn, dude, that's that's freaking crazy. So you catch this fish. Were you out with your brother that time? I, my whole family went on this one. Okay. So was your was your brother and your dad like, oh my gosh, like maybe maybe we need to kind of get what he's doing right now and, and maybe buy an S-Waiver 168 or anything? Or were they still just not confident in what you were doing? I mean, I they definitely had confidence after seeing those fish. and. Yeah. I think it was just kind of the price point. I mean, they didn't want to be casting out a hundred dollars. Um, so I think that's what kind of turned them off. And they, to this day, they don't fish them. Damn dude, that's crazy. So how old were you? Were you probably like 15 around that time? Yeah. 15 sounds about right. So after that, like after that trip, did you go home and did you like shoot Oliver a message, send him a picture like, Hey, it worked. And then did you just go and scour, you know, tackle warehouse to look at other stuff or YouTube even? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, I sent him that photo. I was all jazzed up. I think I sent it to him when I caught it. But I think after that, I was going on eBay because I was like, you know, 15, I work. But I'm like, I, I can't be spending $100 every day. I knew so that. Yeah, I kind of figured out eBay. And I was like, man, you could get a 262 used for 50 bucks. Right. Damn. But, yeah, not really... I didn't really get into like the the good baits. I don't want to say Mega Bass is good, but like you know the Mothers, the Hinkles, the two fifties. I didn't get into those till I believe it was two thousand seventeen. Okay, so we'll we'll finish up the the early days. So you go out there, you catch those fish and stuff. The next trip was that the only rod you brought was your swim bait setup. Yep, that was it. Just that rod. And was this like uh, what time period as far as like? Uh, what what season in the year was it when you caught that fish? I believe it was like late October, early November. Uh, it was a later fall. I do remember it was a later fall transition that year. Uh, it was a lot warmer. Yeah, so it wasn't like you could go out for the for, you know like for the rest of the summer that year and and go go mess with these fish with glide baits. You kind of had to put it on pause a little bit by the sounds of it. Yeah, and that I think to be honest, that kind of helped me more because I stayed inside more watching videos on how to fish it and you know learning new techniques compared to just keep going back and forth and doing the same thing right and dude so this was what like 2019 ish around that time i'd say i'd say this was probably 2016 oh okay so 2016 so i mean dude there was like there wasn't much on youtube like there was probably a few selective guys even i mean even back then, it was probably only like, you know, two minute cast catches uploaded on YouTube, right? There wasn't like much out there for you to watch, I can't imagine. 
Yeah, no, it was mainly just kind of Oliver in the beginning of his days. You'd kind of he wouldn't maybe really post videos on how to fish baits, but you could watch him. Yeah, and kind of and kind of put stuff together. Yeah. At, at that point in time, were you on Facebook or Underground or anything at all? I didn't know any of that was a thing. Okay. Okay. So fast forward to that next spring. So we'll, we'll say 2017 or, or around there. You kind did you buy any more baits over that winter? Any, anything else off of eBay, or were you just kind of restocking on what you had and what you caught fish on? Yeah. So kind of, I want to say it was mid November. My basketball coach got a partner, and the partner was big into the swim baits. He's he's really what uh kind of pushed me to get bigger ones okay so he always told me like oh his dream bait was a hingle and he would like go into depth of why he thinks that would be like the next state record fish so all that winter uh i just kind of worked for neighbors saving up and then for christmas i just asked for cash and then come january i looked on ebay and found a i think it was a sly guy painted hingle trout and that's really the first big big bait i ever bought Damn, dude. So 2017-ish, that was what you probably got it for like 300 bucks, 250 I think it was 350 at the yeah. time. Which, I mean, you were better off buying it on eBay anyway. <laughs> yeah, dude. I wish they were 350 now. Yeah. Um, so I got, I got mine from Andrew a couple of years ago, but it obviously took forever. But I ended up getting it. But so you... Um, your coach, your coach's uh, tournament buddy, was t- talking up this Hinkle and stuff, and so you went from the two sixty two and the S waiver to the Hinkle trout the next season, right? Yes. Did you did you like anticipate what this bait was all about as far as like weight and stuff? Like, did you know you had to upgrade your gear, or was your gear like was your gear good enough to fish the Hinkle? Um, I definitely knew I had to upgrade it. I did try it on the IMX, but it, it was just so heavy for it. So, uh, I mean, dude, that thing was so much heavier than that 262. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking full resin. So did you end up getting uh, Dobbins? Is that what you went with? I went with 13 fishing at the time just because I spent all my money on that bait and $80 rod was all I could afford. Yeah. So did you have, was it the Defy or the Omen? I think it was a Defy. It was the one with like the cork and then the the longer black EVA. Uh, cork. Okay, so I must have had the the next one up. But anyway, because I I fished my Hinkle on a thirteen for the longest time too, and so was you said. Did you say you had a Cardiff? You said yeah. Was did you just send it with the Cardiff because it is a round reel, so it was probably okay. Yeah, and that's what I used for like two or three years with that thing. And did you, were you fishing probably like 25 pound mono or something along those lines? I think it was at 30 at the time. Okay. And I mean, do you remember your first trip out with that? Like, like, were you super ginger about everything you did, like your casting and everything? Or did you just like, you're just like, screw it. Like I have to come out here and cast to catch a fish. dude, Dude, it took me a year to finally cast that thing more than 30 feet. I was so scared of losing that thing. Yeah. That sounds about right. So. We'll talk like your first trip out with it do, when and you were casting it and stuff. Do you remember like was were school were schools following it and like wolf packing this bait or did it just seem like, you know, you were just casting into oblivion and nothing was interested in it? 
I probably saw 15 or 20 fish come up on that thing the very first day. Not really any wolf packs, but like big singles off a dock, like sevens and eights. But, you know, I was fishing that thing way too close to the boat. So by the time I got to the edge of that dock, when they would come out, I was just right on top of them. Right. So were you kind of just slow, constant reels or how, how were you fishing it or how, how do you, well, we'll go, how were you fishing it then? Yeah, I was kind of keeping it with like six or seven inches under the surface, just kind of gliding it in and out of like the side of a dock. And I wasn't really real rod popping it that much because I thought with the two, you know, with the 262, you really had to work that thing by the end of that season is really when I started working it. So going into the next year, I think it was two or three casts. I tried it, but the bait just, you know, it would spin out. So I kind of went back to my slow reel. And that's really when they started, you know, coming up to it. Yeah. So, I mean, dude, that time out. Did your hinkle sink or did it float? Must have. It was a sink. Yeah. It was like a really slow sink. Dude, mine floated. I don't know why. Like it was. I fished the stock hooks and everything that he sent with it. I don't know. I just it had to have a shit ton of lead on it to be a slow sink. But anyway, so. Did you fish that hinkle like majority of the year until you caught a fish or did you kind of phase out and you're like, I'm just going to fish the 262 because I know I can catch a fish on it? I think it was, it was when I got the hinkle, I put all my other baits on the wall and I only would take that bait out for the whole year, for almost two years at that point after that. Okay, so damn, dude, <clears throat> that's freaking crazy. What was, do you re- like... What was the what was it like to catch your first fish on it? Um, I gotta think about that one. So I okay, I remember one day in the spring, it was very early spawn. Like the males were up shallow, and the big females were just kind of sitting under the docks waiting to move up. And I remember I made this one cast, and I was gliding in and out of the dock. And this was when I was casting a little bit further. <laughs> and I remember I just felt this thing like it felt like a steelhead taking like a plug. Like my rod almost went in the water. It hit it so hard. And I fought it for probably two or three minutes and it finally started peeling drag on my Cardiff and popped off. Oh my gosh. That happened once. And then that same exact thing happened again across the lake that, I mean, they were probably, you know, nine plus fish. And then I finally remember taking it out to a local pond that used to be stocked with trout but isn't now. And I was like, oh, I'll just go mess around. You know, I can't drive yet. Don't have a boat. Might as well just go fish. Yeah. And I remember I was working that thing and it felt like a wet sock was on it. Yeah, dude. So I just started like grinding it in. And then you felt like a head shake. And then I really started working it in and then finally got it to the bank. And it, I think it was like, I don't know, five, five or six. Yeah. So my, my first fish, um, first fish I caught on my Hinkle trout, it was it was the same thing same thing you would describe the first one like a, like a oh like like a like a fish like when it hits a jerk bait or something just stops it in its tracks and it wasn't it wasn't very big like three pounds three and a half but my biggest fish I caught on it um, was like twenty one and a half inches and I I made it. first cast we pulled up to the spot I, I know I've told this story before you've probably heard it did a huge lob cast and I get like three three real or like real cranks into it and it just it just started to swim weird. I'm like, what the hell? Kind of like swept into it because I thought it was like some weeds and I, I started to crank again. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's a fish. And 
this was a far ass cast, like probably 60, 70 yards. And I, I get that fish and I, I went to go boat flip it once. I hit it off the gunwell, flipped it. I finally flipped it back in the boat. And I just remember looking at this fish with this hinkle trout in its mouth. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that just happened. Yeah. No, I mean, they, they do hit it weird. Um, it, it's kind of strange how like the smaller ones will want to take it out of your hand. But like I caught one this year, I didn't weigh, but it was 22 inches and it was like, you know how tall uh, like a working God zero measuring board is? It yeah, covered yeah. Like, like the fattest fish I've ever caught. It had to be like sevens and it just felt like a wet sock. Dude, that is, that's freaking crazy. How many, how many fish have you caught on the Hinkle? Oh, 15 <clears throat> or 20 at this point. Damn. And is this the original Hinkle you started with? This is not. I ended up selling that Hinkle, which I really wish I wouldn't have. But I, I sold that one and then bought a Piz painted one at the time. And that's one I still use to this day. Okay. Damn, dude. So you've, prob- you've probably caught more fish on this Piz one? Yeah. And I mean, I completely tune the bait. I do a, I cut stuff, drill stuff. So it, it doesn't really swim like a Hinkle anymore. But, you know, the profile <laughs> and everything looks the same. Right. So did you, when you posted yours for sale, was it on Universe or, or Underground or anything, or did you just post it up on eBay? I posted it up on, I want to say it was Universe. It was through my mom's Facebook. So, so one of those forums. Right. And so, I mean, was that like, I guess I, we'll go back a little bit. So when you discovered Universe and Underground and stuff, was it just like, you'd just been handed a key to to the golden staircase of information? Oh, dude, it was a game changer. Seeing, especially seeing some of the other baits, because, you know, I was just going off eBay for swim baits. Yeah. But now you're on a forum where, like, you're getting garage-made ones. Like, it, it was a game changer seeing some of them. And what, how, long, how long was this after you had been into swim bait fishing? A couple of years, year or two? Uh, I want to say it was two years, 2019, I believe. Okay, so yeah, so like it was, I mean, it was still pretty small. And as far as like you, you learning stuff in it, that was like a super good time. Like it wasn't like oversaturated, oversaturated with stuff. But there was like, I mean, back then there was a lot of good information on those forms. Not saying that there's not now, but it wasn't saturated like it is now. Absolutely. And so, okay, so we'll, we'll rewind. So you sell, you sell your first hinkle that you had caught a couple fish with. Was it, did you know, like, right away, like, I want to buy another one? Or did you kind of mess around and buy some other random baits that you had saw on the forums? Uh, kind of both. I, I really didn't like that color. It was more of, like, a dark green and, like, a bright purple. So I, I knew I was going to get another one. So when I sold that one... um. One of my friends posted a photo of like a brand new Piz painted one, and it looked just like my trout. Uh, so I, I bought that, but it, I had a couple bucks left over, and I think that's when I uh, found the huds, and that was another key to like winter fishing here. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll touch on the huds because that's something that I that's like a really high high on the list bait for me. So. You got it. You got some of these huds and stuff. Were you fish? Did you get the sixty eights or the six inches or the eight inches? What'd you end up getting? It was a weedless sixty eight. Was the first one I got in a ghost trout, and I want to say it was early spring, like too early for glides. Uh, getting later for the softies, but I wanted to go throw that thing, so I took it out to a 
a coastal lake and we pull up on the spot and there's like one really early bed which was like it's still weird to this day thinking about it and there was this like five and a half uh female kind of sitting off to the back of it and i i worked her for like an hour because i like i kept reeling it past her and she'd like come up and like slap at it and then go back down to the depths and i finally hooked her and lost her and that's when i realized i needed a new rod and then i mean dude that went on for like a month straight of just hooking and losing them damn dude and so this was this was on your uh, 13 right yeah and do you think it was just because it 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 was loading up too much or wasn't loading up enough or, you know, too much line stretch. What do you think the problem was? Or was it just the rod? Well, at this point, I still only had that one rod. Um, <laughs> the IMX, I just, I just didn't like it. It was too soft. So okay. I only had that rod and it was like 30 pound uh, mono. And, you know, how stiff that 13 rod is. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think I was just kind of ripping it out of their face. Right, like it, like soft bait rods don't load up, but they load up a lot more than than these thirteen rods do. I have an eight to fourteen ounce, and that thing is literally a hockey stick, dude. Yeah, that's the one I think I had. Yeah, I mean that's the one I was fishing on my ankle on too. So, um, what what rod did you end up going with for, or did you like were you just like okay, screw it, I'm gonna I'm gonna fish the hinkle, or I'm gonna gonna get it back into the hinkle? Uh, so. I think it was after I lost one that was like over 10, I went home and one of my dad had a couple like salmon blanks and one of them was just like a, like a, they don't make them anymore, but it's a super parabolic up to like the fourth guide. But then you have all backbone after that. Okay. And, and and that's, that's what I found worked best for that 68 because it is a small hook. So you don't really have to jack it into them. So that, that parabolic worked, but, you need that backbone to grind them in. So did your dad turn all his rods for guiding? He didn't do it. He had a buddy that made custom rods. Oh. So he ordered, I mean, probably 30 or 40, uh, G Loomis blanks. And then he'd just have them all made. Okay. So, I mean, that honestly worked out perfect. So did you have that buddy make you a rod or did you kind of try your hand at it? Uh, uh, that, at that time I didn't really have the money, so I never, had a rod made uh just last year was my first custom rod actually okay so i just kind of used that thing forever and then i finally saved up enough money and got one built oh yeah man so so you did you just end up sucking it up and using this rod for the huds or did you kind of give the huds a break and go back to the glide bait fishing then after you'd lost all those fish i showed up to my home lake one day and didn't get as many on the hood and then that kind of happened for about a week and then i showed up one day and there was a couple bass boats sitting there with huds so then i was like oh i gotta switch back to the hinkle and i think that day i switched back and i I either caught or lost one that was five or six pounds i can't really remember damn dude that is freaking crazy is we'll, we'll touch on locals around you um swim bait fishing more but Okay, so so you're catching fish and losing fish on the huds and stuff, and then you get your your piz painted uh, hinkle trout. Do you like did was it just kind of like all you were fishing that year was the hinkle trout because you had just gotten it and you're like I know fish are gonna eat this thing so I'm just gonna fish this. 
Yeah, I mean, some of those fish, when I was fishing that, like, ugly-colored hinkle, you'd watch some of the bigger ones come up and study it, and you just they just didn't like it. So once I kind of got this one, uh, I went out trout fishing, caught a trout, and at that lake, and I was like, man, they look the exact same. So, I mean, I've, I've just been fishing that thing every day till this day. That's freaking so sick. Does yours have pretty bad hook rash, or is there enough clear on it that it's kind of helping? Oh, dude, my hook rash is terrible. Those Piz painted ones didn't really hold up the greatest. Yeah, you'll have to send me a picture when we're done here. So, you're, um, so are you, you're fishing from shore, right? Or are you fishing from the boat? I've got a boat uh, within the last two years, but all before it was shore. But, I mean, I still bank beat the banks to this right. day, you know. Yeah, so do you remember your first fish you caught on the, on the Piz, Hinkle? Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was pretty recent, actually. I think it was last year, or maybe the year before. It was, gosh, 6'3", I think. Damn, dude. Yeah, it was, a, it was a late March fish. So, was that kind of the point where you're like, screw it, I'm just going to fish this thing all year? Or were you still kind of hesitant and, and kind of wanting to fish the 262 and the, the S-Waver and stuff like that? Yeah, no, at that point, uh, I think I caught that one. And then, you know, every trip since then, I, I saw one that was at least, I like to say they're over 10. I don't really want to, like, put a number on them. But, dude, just, like, 26-inch fish, just massive. So it was at that point I kind of put everything away and just took that with me. Damn, dude. And so, I mean, you've you've had it for a long time your 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 hinkle did you like i get i guess this is a good time to get into like your lakes and stuff so the lake you fish kind of kind of lay it out for us like clear bowl like how, how does this lake set up what's what's the um what's the structure like yeah so this lake it's it's not really big um i don't really want to give the name i guess i'll give no, the name out no you're it's good you, i mean you don't have to <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it a secret for now. It, it gets hit hard, but it's still kind of unknown. It, it's not a very big lake. It's really deep. I, I like it takes a long time in the spring to heat up, so it's got a later spawn. So it, it it's probably around the banks. It's all sand, and then you kind of got docks that come out from it, and the water's clear for about ten feet, and then you just got milfoil. And these fish kind of like to sit out there in like 30, 40 feet of water feeding on these kokanee and these trout. And then kind of March comes and the males will move up. Just kind of like textbook stuff. Males will move up, um, push everything out of the area, and then you have these big females that will go stage on the docks. Have, so, you, have you read uh, In Pursuit of Giant Bass at all? Dude, I haven't, but I want to get that book. Huh. We'll, we'll talk about that uh, like after. But I think that like the way you were talking about how those big fish are super, like super deep eating kokanee and stuff. That is like something that he touches on in the book. And obviously it was wrote in 92. So, so the only graph he had was, was like a flasher to tell him the depth. But I think um, if, if you're seeing like these big fish on shore and like fishing close to shore, I think if somebody had live target or live scope, whatever the hell it's called out there, like I think they, I think that they would probably catch caliber of fish like you guys saw that day that you pulled, pulled like that choked on that kokanee because like, I don't know, dude, reading this book, it makes me think of how many 
lakes that I have kind of chalked up to be not necessarily big fish lakes. And it's because the style I fish, like I like fishing shallower water. And he talks about how big bass are deep water orientated. And I mean, like you see it, you see it when you watch Josh Jones and in Millican fishing now, like all those guys are fishing super deep, you know, walking jerk or walking uh, glide baits and stuff over these fish. And if you, if you haven't read this book, like to anybody, if you haven't read this book and like write down your thoughts of like big bass behavior and then go back and read like the first, you know, 60 or 70 pages of this of pages of this book. And you will be like, holy shit. Like, I cannot believe that I either didn't think of it. I didn't think of it in that way. Or I just, I just chalked it up and had never thought of, of this idea because that's exactly what happened to me. It is such a crazy book, dude. Yeah, I, I probably should get it. I mean, it's just, you know, I never really grew up fishing out deep, uh, besides the smallmouth, you know, under the boat. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, for largemouth, I was always told to fish shallow because they all, they're all talking about spring, but at the time, I never knew that. And then I want to say 2020, I got a mother, and I just made some weird cast out in like 30, 35 feet of water, and I caught a seven and a half, and that's, that's kind of when it opened up to like, oh, these fish are you know, staging out deep, moving up shallow in the spring and then kind of going back out deep to feed in the summer. Yeah. He, uh, he talks about how, I mean, I'm, I'm not necessarily spoiling this book, but this is like the stuff that I, the key stuff that I remember that I really enjoyed from it. He's like, he talks about when a fish hits four pounds, it's only goal in life is just to keep eating, keep eating and to spawn. And he talks about like when these fish get that big, they, they don't school up as much and, and they don't school at all. The only reason you see big fish together is because that's just where the bait fish are. And he talks about how like big fish, like the, they'll sit and cover, but they just, they want quick access to deep water to get away from stuff. And that's, that's where like, I'm looking, like I'm, I'm thinking of all these spots I fish. I don't have a boat or anything. I fish from shore, but still like when I go out and like, I've pretty much paraphrased like the first five chapters of this book to my buddy that has a boat. And I'm like, this is what we're doing in the spring in April. Like we're going to catch big fish this year by, by listening to this guy who wrote this book 30 years ago. And I, I'm super intrigued. Like, it's funny that you say you caught a seven and a half on a mother in that deep of water, because when I first started and like, even up until probably like last year, this time last year, I would never, I, very rarely I, would I ever like take a cast quote quote in the middle of the lake is, is like is in deep water it just was something that never appealed to me and i never thought like i'm like well if i'm just if i'm catching fish up shallow why would i want to go fish deep pretty much yeah and i mean dude it's so hard just fishing that thing and not seeing any cover like just having to kind of i don't have a graph on my boat so i just kind of have to like hope there's something down there yeah so i mean more that more than less i'm fishing up shallow <laughs> which yeah i mean i i can't blame you um so i will we'll rewind rewind back to to the mother thing so did you look at getting a mother just because you had caught fish on the hinkle and you're like okay this swims differently i mean at this point in time i'm sure you had seen stuff on on youtube and instagram and stuff oliver has some pretty badass videos with the mother and where you're just like it's just another tool for me to fish with or was it kind of like, well, it's the same size as the Hinkle, but it's a little bit different and it kind of covers a little bit different of a spectrum for me? Yeah, no, I, you know, seeing that 262 and having a couple and then getting the Hinkle and seeing more, I just kind of thought, you know, 
the bigger the bait, the more the fish. So growing up, you know, everyone saw like the mother or it was the mother trap, the, the, like the two bass colored one. Yeah, yeah, the the front half was the bass and the second half was the bass too. That thing, yeah. There was there was some of those. I remember in like 2018 that were on eBay that would go for like eight nine hundred bucks. And I remember just sitting sitting there looking at them during class. I I remember it was first hour current events, and I would just sit there and look at them all class. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what I wouldn't do to have this bait right now. Oh, dude, they look so sick. And uh, so yeah, I just you know everyone grew up kind of hearing about that in the bass world, and then. I think it was Matt Magnone has a video on how to fish the mother and then seeing like him catching fish on it. Some of the bites he got, I was like, I got to get that up here. So one of my buddies over East who I want to say is the importer for Roman made. I was talking to him and I got a premium trout colored one, like one of the first ones. And dude, it was my first trip out there. I cast it up on this dock and I had one about 10 that I lost. And then, had one about seven that I lost because I'm still fishing that 13 rod. I'm ripping it out yeah. of the face. So then my dad's sitting here watching all this and he goes, dude, you just got to like crank into them, you know, just kind of like a steelhead. You don't rip it out of their face with the plug. You just crank into them. Yeah. So then it was three casts later out in that 30 feet. I went to cast right against the lilies and I just whiffed it. And I was like, oh, I'll just see what happens. And I start cranking it. And then I felt that like tick, like a big jig bite. And then I was like, cranked down. So then I cranked down and landed that one. Damn, dude, that is so crazy. I remember like growing up and not even necessarily growing up. Just I remember a couple of years ago watching these guys catch fish on the mother, like um, AC fishing. He, he was a guy, if you guys know who this guy is, if, um, he, he did some unfortunate stuff and he's no longer in the fishing community. But anyway, he... Uh, he fishes, he used to fish like Table Rock and, and you know, like the, the true Midwest lakes. And there's a video of him catching like a seven on a mother underneath a dock. And after that point, I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I need one. And uh, I got one and it just, it wasn't my style of bait. Maybe now I'd like it, but it was, it was crazy to have. I never caught a fish on it. But I was like, I could see like where this bait catches a lot of freaking fish, or not, maybe not a lot of fish, but a few good sized fish for sure. Yeah, that action is just completely different. And, and you know, back to when I said like I mod the hinkles. Uh, have you ever taken like the pin out of the hinkle? Yours? Uh, I I don't have mine anymore. Unfortunately, I sold it. But I I had I had taken it out. I think when I first got it, I took it out. Yeah, so on like the older Piz ones, it's a decently sized hole for the pin to go into, so it's real loose and floppy. Yeah. Uh, so I'll go to like, I don't know if you guys have Jerry's back there or like Home Depot, and I'll get like a thicker pin mm-hmm. and I drill it out just uh, to the size of that pin and I just push that thing in there and it makes it like the same action as a mother. But now you have it in like a hinkle body. Damn, dude. Was. Is your hinkle, what kind of joint does it have? Does it have the door hinge, or is it just the classic pin and eye screw? Uh, it's, I think it's the door hinge one, but on the older ones, they're resin, because I yeah. think now the, that piece is plastic. Yeah, I see, I can't remember for the life of me. 
I don't know if mine was the door hinge resin or door hinge plastic. I want to say it it had to have been resin because you're talking yeah. about the, the 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 back half middle joint is plastic. Yeah, yeah, and I mean I've I think I've followed you a while and I know when you got yours is roughly the time I got mine, so I'm I I'd bet on it being resin. Yeah, because I I think it is, but I'd heard I I not that I don't keep up with the Hinkle market at all, especially now, but I know that I'd seen some that came in and people like people posted pictures of blanks and it was like a clear white plastic middle piece. And I was like, what the hell? Like, that's super weird. And it makes sense now that it's plastic. I mean, I'm sure it's probably a lot harder to break than, than resin would be for sure. Yeah, I, d- I don't know what it does to the action, but like I've owned nine Hinkles now and I every time I get a new one, I just sell it. Like the newer uh, plastic ones, I've I've tried them, man. I just don't like the action compared to that that older style. Damn, dude. So okay, so you've gone through a lot. How many mothers have you had? Just the one? Uh, just sold my second one the other day. Damn. So did you? Was there any reason that you had sold the mothers? Like, did they swim a little bit different than maybe what you fish had wanted, or was it just not what you were wanting? Uh, I think they just kind of got tired of it on my home lake because, I mean, it's just 30 minutes out my door, so it's the best one to go to for me. And I think I just fished it so much that there was no point. Like, I just would get maybe like a two-pound follower. But, like, once I would switch back to that Hinkle, man, they would be all over that thing. Have you found that your Hinkles, I mean, you've had nine of them, so you've had a pretty decent testing variety. They all swim a little bit different, don't they? Yeah, same. I think you said yours floated, dude. I can't tell you how many like different sinks mine have had. And, dude, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It might just be because you know Andrew Hinkle gets rushed and he just he's behind, so he pours a bunch of them. Or I don't know, dude. Maybe he doesn't put enough balloons in some of these batches or what. But like from what I've heard, Hinkle is like notorious for all something a little bit different and that's why i'm scared to get another one i'm like oh my gosh like do i get another one and then this it'd be like super perfect and and uh i i I love it and i maybe you know something unfortunate happens and i have to get another one and it doesn't swim anything like it because uh somebody just recently i won't say who somebody casted off or no somebody broke off on a fish an og hinkle that they've had forever and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I did that, like, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Like, if I cast it off, I've had some baits that swim super, super well, but they weren't like an OG Hinkle. Like, I could get another one and find one that swam like it. But, dude, like, casting off something like that, like, you're just, you're, you're going to have to settle for a different style swim from that bait. Like, that's just all there is to it. Yeah, I mean, that's, dude, that's a heartbreak. An older version, too. Like, I tried to just recently buy a another Piz one to get as a backup for this one because I casted this one off three times this year. So I was like, oh, I should probably get a backup color. And dude, they're like eight, nine hundred bucks. Like the market's down now to like four. If you could find one for four, that's good. But like those Piz ones are way up there still. Yeah. I, it would be super nice if you could buy one from Andrew and like know you're going to get it in a timely manner. But it's like, it's not worth taking that risk like i'll just i'll buy it secondhand i guess as much as i wouldn't want to that's probably what i would end up doing yeah i just waited for a year for mine and 
I'm not gonna say who painted it, but it, it, they messed it up bad. Oh like, man, the swim wasn't the greatest. The paint was like I can send you photos after this, but it was nowhere near what I asked for. And just to like wait a year for that, it, it's not worth it, dude. That's I. I wish I would have gotten mine painted. If I had gotten mine painted, I would have kept it. But you know, I took I took the cheapskate route out of it. I just wanted to fish it, so I got it and I did a horrendous spray paint job. Uh, the guy who actually bought it, I think, has like three three coats of spray paint on it. But I told him that, and he didn't seem to care. So it's not my problem. But yeah, like. If I was to get one that's super nice, I would definitely hold on to it. But at that point, I was just like, oh, I'll just fucking buy a blank if I ever want another one at this point. It's it's just like, I don't know. I've just been almost leaning away from him just because I don't want to support Andrew. Just because it's just, you know, a lot of my friends that have him on order and have had him on order for two years. It's just almost not worth buying them from him. Yeah, dude, those those trick trouts, those have been going on since like like 2019. Oh, dude, something crazy. People people post about it every once in a while in universe, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you could not pay me enough. <laughs> yeah, someone tried to sell me one for fifteen hundred bucks, and I was just like, at that point, they are worth fifteen hundred bucks if you're waiting three years. I bet you, I bet you, I know who it was. I I know a guy who got one and he posted it for sale a couple whole weeks ago. I want to say that's about when it was. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I know he had waited on his forever and he had hit the guy up, dude. I don't even, I don't even know how many times, just an unridiculous amount of times, and he finally just he finally came home. And there was a bait on his door, and so. He uh he he was like I don't want this thing and so he ended up selling it. it. Well, he ended up posting for sale. I don't know if he ended up selling it, but that's I mean that's just how it goes, honestly. Like with anything, I feel like with any bait that it, like you see X Y Z posting about not getting a bait for a couple months and then they get the bait and they sell it in the next week. Like that's just that's how it goes. Yeah, that's usually how it goes. Um. So. Oh, I, yeah, you, you kind of grazed over this like it wasn't a big deal. You'd casted the Hinkle Trout that you like. You've casted it off three times this year. Yeah, this year alone. I broke one off on a fish, but I had mine uh, floating, so eventually I found it. But, yeah, no, it was it was scary. Dude, that, oh, my gosh. And that's this person who lost this OG one broke it off on a super big fish, too. Um and I don't know, like it's, I don't know if I'd rather cast a bait off or lose it on a fish. At least if you cast it off, you can go find it, especially if it's a floating bait. The fish thing is okay, especially if it jumps and tosses the bait. Like there's, there's still a chance to get it. I, I don't know. I've lost my fair share of baits and I don't, I don't like it in general. I don't know which one I'd pick over the other. They're either of them are shitty, especially losing them on fish. Oh, dude, losing one on a big fish would hurt more, I feel like. Yeah, I lost I lost a fleet shad on a super big fish this year, but there was nothing I could have done about it, really. So I was just like, oh, well, yes, that's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah, that hurts. Um, so, shit, hold on. I got, I, there was a question I wanted to ask you. Um, crap, what was it? Uh, oh, so... Do you just have one or two hinkles right now, or do you have like a stockpile? <laughs> well, I had four hanging up for a while, but then 
you know, one night I broke a rod and I was like, you know, I think it's time I just put all my money into some new setups. So I sold three of them. So I just got one now, but always on the hunt for one more. Well, th- th- this is a good transition. So your setup, so you, you sold your three Hinkles for, you know, $1.2 million. What did you end up, <laughs> <laughs> what did you, what did you end up getting with, uh, with that money? Yeah. So I actually just had Daryl, uh, he's building me two rods right now and I'm about to just order another one. Uh, they're all like the DRT replicas. Uh, I have an ADX for the Hinkle. Uh, the R2 is going to be for the Clash 9 I just got. Yeah. And then uh, they have a prototype, like longer handled one that I'm going to have them make for, dude, I don't know, like a Mag-X or a, like the 12-inch Nates. Yeah, I want to say, you know, it had to be Daryl. Daryl kind of leaked what... <sighs> It had to have been Daryl. Kind of leaked what uh, what blanks that DRT uses and stuff for the, for their rods. Yeah, I think it was him. I've listened yeah. to that podcast a couple times. Yeah, I, I was pretty sure it was him, and it was funny him saying that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe that. It, we're not. I mean, if you guys want to hear it, all you got to do is go listen to it because he says it. But it, uh, I don't know. That was funny to hear. But so you're getting three rods built. What was the rod you broke? Was that your 13? I broke a 13 on a mother chaser and then I broke just an I-Rod this year. I think I broke two 13s this year. Well, we'll come back to the elephant in the room being the mother chaser. So what, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that. But so you're, you're getting these rods built and stuff. What, what are the reels you usually use for your, would you say TK mother and then your mag X? What are the reels you usually go with? Uh, so I just ordered the new, uh, Bantam for the clash. I thought, you know, smaller reel, it'd be nice. I, I'm, like, partially deaf in one ear, so that DC drives me crazy, hearing it, like, <laughs> loud in one ear. So I, I went with the Bantam, and then on my bigger soft bait rod, I just got a 400 Conquest with the 117 varial handle. And then I'm still deciding on what I want for the other reel. Uh, I don't know if I want another Conquest or a Tranks. I, I feel like a lot of people have had problems with those tranks. I, I, I did have a Tatula 300, but that thing fell apart within a year. So I just went back to Shimano. Yeah, dude. Uh, Daryl is pretty, pretty high strung on the Daiwa stuff, isn't he? Yeah, no, we've, we've talked back and forth. We don't know if my reel was a dud, but I mean, something went wrong with that thing. I haven't tried any of the, uh, Daiwa big reels like the the tat 300 or anything but i have a ct and i freaking love that reel that's like my favorite conventional reel but i i don't know i have to rebuild like i have to tomorrow i should probably write down like what i plan to fish this year and the rods and reels i need because i need to like i need to get my k my Corrado k cleaned out because that thing has been in the sand and like in the river enough that yeah uh, i don't know if you listened to the episode with frank but i was talking about how I had gotten this new Corrado K and I fished it the first day, like the first cast with it. And I was, I was reeling in a rising sun and I was reeling and it. It's kind of like when you crank down the drag all the way and it's like the spool isn't moving at all. Yeah. I, I thought the reel was fucked up and I'm like, what the hell? And I looked down and I realized it was just that smooth that I couldn't feel anything like this K I have now just has a terrible, like when I'm reeling, like obviously it's not that bad, but it's like, it's loud and it's grimy and I'm like, I need to send this thing away to get cleaned and I need to buy like another new one real soon when this one blows up. <laughs> yeah, no. And I mean, I think Daryl was the one that said, uh, 
Daiwas get smoother the more you use them, and Shimano gets, you know, yeah. shittier the, the more you use them. And that's definitely true. Uh, I've got, I think I've got seven conventional rods now. And, dude, I've gone through like 14 Corrados on them all. I, I believe that, dude. I have one for flipping, and that thing is pretty used and abused. That, that thing's on its way out. But, yeah. Um, so so yeah, we covered your what what line are you fishing on your setups or what line are you going to fish on your setups? On the Mag X and twelve inch Nate, um, I th- I'll probably just put like thirty pound Iser line on it. I like the copolymer personally. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I've, I've gone through fluoro and that's what I broke my three hinkles on was t- uh, twenty pound. Uh, I think it was a Braze X. I don't yeah, know if it was a bad it's... spooler or if I was using it too much, but. I don't know, I'm a Brazex a Brazex has been getting dragged lately. There's a lot of guys who who were staying away from a Brazex in the next next season. I know that for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I kind of wanted to experiment with that DRT line, the nylon. I've the never nylon. used nylon. Yeah. But I also get a deal from Iser line, so kind of hard to pass up a bulk spool for what is it? Like 30 bucks. Yeah, that's that's hard to do. Um, crap, I was gonna say it was about the line. Um, Copali. Uh, crap. I can't. oh, do you remember? Did you ever see that post in Universe where that guy talks about how he casts it off like four hinkles in a day, and everybody's like, "What line are you using?" And he's like, 12 pound, whatever." And everybody's like, "Are you serious?" Twelve <laughs> pound. Yeah, yeah. Like like Marshall, Marshall the homeless fisherman, he's crazy. He fishes a TK on 12, but a TK on 12 is a lot different than a Hinkle Trout on 12 or maybe a Hinkle Shad, but either way, that's freaking stupid. Yeah, I've gone down to 17 just to try it. I didn't have any issues with it, but it just kind of got hairy, you know, cuz I have mine now set to like a fast sink in the summer so I can get it down to like 30 feet and glide it over the weed beds. Yeah. So 17 was a little a little testy with me, but you know, 20 pound I don't have any problem with and that's probably what I'll put on my uh whatever the next reel I get for the hinkle is. Yeah, that's that's probably what I'm going to switch to this season is 20 or maybe I'll just go back to braid, but uh shit. Uh 12 pound. Oh, what did you um crap. Hold on here. There was my my my, my ideas are eluding me today. <laughs> There was something you just touched on. We were just talking about line. Uh, crap. It was something about the baits. Uh, oh, are you running stock hardware on all this stuff? Or are you Do you have like hooks that, that you like a lot that you put on them? Uh, well, in the beginning, I ran like stock hooks on the Hinkle. And then I kind of noticed that some of those fish would come up and like stare at the hooks. Like I, you'd watch them just sit there and look at them. Yeah. So now I'm uh I'm kind of bouncing back between like size 2 and size 1s on my hinkle. Um I just put quads on this year. I've never tried them. I heard your guys' take on the quads, but I thought, you know, one extra hook point when it hurt, uh, you know, like an 8 pounder cuz I've lost some big ones on just the regular ones, so I thought try something new. Yeah. But I'm using uh their ST, they're the chrome ones. Uh, is it the fives? Fifty-six, maybe. One, one of those weird ones. I like the thirty-sixes, but when you lay your bait flat, you can tell that there's a like a weird black outline on the bottom of a pearl bottom 
yeah. ankle. Yeah. So I went with the that chromish colored one. Yeah, and... I I put those. That's what I ran on all my taxi trouts. Are the ST fifty sixes or the kind of beefy thick shank hooks? And I I never had a problem with them. I always liked those hooks. But I while we were talking, I you know I I kind of went into a Zen moment and thought about what I was originally going to ask you before the hooks. I was just on the fly questioning. It was how do you? I mean, you're fishing, so you're way up north and you're fishing these big baits and stuff. Are you giving them drag? What what's your drag setup for your reels? How how do you play these fish? Uh, well, hopefully with the rod Daryl's building me, he's cutting the blank and like making it more parabolic. Because right yeah. now my rod is so stiff, I have that drag like way back down. Because like now coming up, like you'll see like a sick come up and eat your bait, and you just instinct sets the hook. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. So, man. I kind of have them not locked down, but definitely not like loose. Like there, it's kind of a mix in between where if you pull the line, it comes out fairly easy. But like if you set the hook, it's not going to like spin the spool backwards. But yeah. hopefully with Daryl's rod, I'll be able to like lock it down a little more. That's how I was fishing um, at the beginning of the year was kind of uh, probably like three crank. No, probably like four or five. Uh, ticks harder than my drag or than like on a hook set and i had to dick around with it a lot like river fishing because you're fighting the current obviously in the fish and i finally got it dialed but when i go out to a lake it is so refreshing just to be able because i i was notorious i never had any drag i just drag all these fish in but now i realize it's kind of fun to fight them a little bit more and so i, I back down it on it a little bit but it's nice fishing a lake because it's like oh i'm I'm just fighting the fish i'm not fighting you know 500 square feet per inch of of uh of, of like current like i can actually play these fish and dick around with them a little bit yeah and everyone kind of tells me like put your odds up to the water and grind in and you know i tried that one of those times and i don't know if i just didn't have the fish hooked that great but it, it was a bigger fish and it, it finally turned on me and dude, I lost that one. So I, I like to play them a little more now. I've I've realized that if it's a large mouth, I put the rod tip down and I just reel it in. If it's a small mouth in the river, especially these ones here, they dive down into the rocks and shit super bad. And so it's kind of more of like on the sweep or the hook set. I I I, I keep my rod tip up like as high as I can. I like I okay that's a lie. I keep I keep the rod at like a 45 degree angle to my to my chest and that's more or less just so I can have like I can pull them up off the bottom and, and gain on them because if not they're just gonna fucking bury themselves into a rock pile and you're gonna lose your bait that that happened to me once or twice this year I mean I swam out there and got my bait back but I'm like I'm I need to fucking do something different because obviously it's not working you know putting the rod tip in the water and grinding them in yeah, dude, I want to get, I want to fish glides for smallmouth so bad here. There's so much like untapped potential on some of these rivers for like swim baits and smallmouth. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, was have you gotten to river fish at all with your glide baits? Not, not with glide baits. I have a couple like mag drafts that I yeah. take out there and I'll mess around with, but like, dude, I got into that whole like, the bigger the bait, the bigger the fish, and now like the smallest bait I have, I think, is an eight-inch HUD. Damn, dude. Yeah, so that's, that's I, exactly how I was too there for a while. I want to get a paperweight, and I think I talked to you about uh, those, but 
Yeah, I want to get a paperweight and a taxi trout so bad. Dude, the taxi trouts are super sick. It, you got to bob and weave through them just to make sure you get one that swims how you want, but they're they're kick-ass bait. Um, yeah, well, and they're almost impossible to get now, I feel dude, like. Yeah, I there's a lot of them on the bottom of Lake Michigan if you're interested. Like, I can send you where oh, they are. <laughs> I know where you they are. You lost a couple? Um, yeah, like upwards of 10 one year. Oh, dude. Yeah. I would have been scattered. swimming. They're scattered around scattered um throughout a pier head so it's funny my buddy actually did swim for one um i had to work one day and my buddies were up from where i live now and they were up fishing uh fishing my home lake and they knew the taxi bite was super super fucking unhooked so i left my my uh 3700 deep in my my 13 with my abu revo and 80 pound braid outside for them they pick it up and they're fishing and they catch like two fish on it and uh my other buddy handed it to my to the, to the other guy he was fishing with because he had caught two and my buddy winds up casts and uh, I don't know what happened but it like broke super deep down in the spool or maybe it was on a fish or it was on something weird and it broke and he starts freaking out he throws the rod down he starts taking his phone out starts taking his shirt off and uh this spot's like 20 feet deep and uh, oh, he's man. like he's like starting to strip down and our other buddy is like oh dude the, the lines like it's braid it's floating and they they got this bait up and they uh they tied it back on and they just didn't fish it the rest of the day. <laughs> They're like, we're not fishing this thing anymore because if we lose this thing, he's gonna kick our ass because it was the only one I had at the time. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's that's nerve wracking, especially if it's not your bait and you can't you know how expensive they are. Yeah, like that um, hurts. I I don't know if I had ever told this story, but the same kid who was with our buddy when he casted it off, I was fishing with him this spring in like this weird ass spot that he was telling me he had caught fish when he was super young, so. We meet there, and he has a Phoenix M1, and I was just casting, dicking around with it, and he has a Chad Shad on it, and I casted, and I was reeling it, and it got hung up on a log, and like we're in like this like bayou swamp type deal, and dude, I sit there for 40 minutes trying to get this bait unhooked, like I can see this bait. I take, I take the, uh, I take the reel off my rod, I tie this ride onto his line, I'm trying to throw it in there to get it off. I'm I'm casting my my uh I don't even know what I had on at the time probably baby paperweight I'm casting my paperweight at this hooking onto his line trying to pull it off and I'm probably like freaking out for like an hour or so and I'm like I do not want to buy him another Chad Chad so it was like at the time Kevin wasn't really making many baits and I'm like oh my gosh dude and you know I I set the rod down and I'm just like I'm gonna take a break and I look up and the the bait just popped off when I said when I gave it like a lot of slack and just set it there the rod popped off and like. I don't know how many times I had given it slack just for some reason this time it came unhooked and I reeled that thing in so fast and I gave it to him. I'm like, I'm never casting your rod again, dude. That was so scary. Yeah, dude. It's weird how some of those things work, like how that just popped off by miracle. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to complain because I was so ready to go swim. And then I was like, well, maybe I'll just tie it off and maybe I'll find somebody. Maybe I'll buy a cheap kayak or something off of Facebook and I'll come back and I'll come get it tomorrow. But I... Dude, I don't know why, but I'm just, I'm so glad it popped off. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. So we, uh, we kind of grazed over it, but so you said you had broken your rod with the mother chaser. Yeah. Uh, dude, I don't even know like how it happened. Like I was fishing that thing. Of course, like, of course it was like a way underrated rod, but I fished it for probably a week straight. And then like one time I just went and set it down in the boat and I picked up I want to say it was a crawler and like I turned around and the rod tip was just hanging there. 
Like, I don't know if there was, like, I just don't know. Man, but, yeah, man. no, it was just hanging there. That's fucking crazy. So, did you get your Mother Chaser off of eBay or off of Japan eBay? Or how did you acquire the Mother Chaser? Uh, I got it from a dude in California that I, like, kind of knew. And he would, like, post photos of it. And then I want to say he posted it saying, like, this bitch frustrated him. So, I, like, messaged it. And I was like, I'll take it. And I think after we were talking a little while, I finally bought it from him. Damn, dude. Have you had... Have you gotten to fish it more than just that week, or is that all the time you'd had with it? I fished it. Oh, I fished it on another rod after that. I probably fished it a month straight, and I did have one. I want to say it was one come up on it, and I was actually fighting it for a little while. It, it wasn't super big, maybe six, but yeah, I mean, it did hit it, dude. That's you're gonna have to send me a picture. That's so fucking crazy. Have you messed around with the ghosts at all? I did. I had a ghost uh, last summer, and I did. I caught a six. It was a six point six two on it, and then uh, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, I don't. I want to get one, but I don't know how I would fish it. There's like there's a lot to a TK. Well, there's a lot to a K nine, but that like there's so many ways you can fish it. <laughs> Yeah, and you definitely have to have like the right rod and reel. And I was kind of messing around, and I finally uh, found one that worked for it—a blank that worked for it. But it's 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 a it's a weird bait for sure. Now, do you secretly have like a depths gura gura too, or do you just have the mother chaser? Oh, dude, that one's that's not for me. I I ended up selling that mother chaser too, but some I just had more luck on like a ten to. 13 inch bait compared to those bigger ones and they don't throw your shoulder out what what was that have you had the gura gura at all i haven't i don't really like how it's a real long body with that little short joint so i I never really was attracted to it um i've heard and seen a guy had two muskie hit it and it cracked like it cracked right at the seam on the the top of it and that just kind of made me lose all interest in it like i'm not paying you can get them for like 200 now, but I'm not buying one just for it to crack on two fish. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I believe it. I feel like with a giant plastic bait, it's kind of hard because I feel like those fish are going to hit it harder. So I just feel like a plastic isn't the right way to go. Yeah. Have but you... like a frenzy, I could see oh, working. I was just going to say the frenzy, like the new DRT one. Yeah, I could see that yeah. being a little better. It looks like the plastic is thicker. Yeah. Have you... um? Messed around with like the code name Bass at all? I have not. That was another one kind of on my last year's list to get, but I just never pulled the trigger on it. I almost got one. Somebody had it up for super cheap the other day and I almost bought it, but I don't know. I just get, I'm anti bass colored baits. I don't know what it is, dude. I just, I cannot stand bass paint on swim baits for some reason. Bass and perch, like, that's not a deal breaker, but like if I have the choice, I'm not fishing either of those two colors. It's just, I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, dude. I, like my mother, the first one I had was a premium trout one. And I caught, I lost a bunch and caught a couple on it. And then the, the what is it? The wrap? Is that what they use? The, the wrap on it started to completely fall off. Yeah, the flakes. And I mean, like the, like the whole front half of the bait was gone. It was just wood. So I sent that back in and 
uh, I waited for like half a year and then I was like, yo, are you guys going to like get any more premium trout ones in that I can have? They're like, no, we don't really know when, but we have a premium bass we can get. So I ended up just pulling the trigger on that thing because I was done waiting. And I caught one on it, but it's just, it's definitely a different color. You have to like bass to fish it, I feel like. Yeah, like the DRT baby bass, super cool, but I'm not, I'm not fishing it if I, if I have other baits to fish, that's for sure. Yeah, I just, I have a stronger feeling in that trout, more mm-hmm. confidence. Yeah, same here, man. Um, I got, I think there was something else I wanted to ask you. Uh, let's see here. Go to the questions. Um, oh, what, what's your what's your style of fishing? Like, you're obviously fishing a lot of these bigger baits, which you kind of have to slow roll. But if you could, like, if you could make a ten to thirteen inch bait and and make it swim exactly how you would want to, how what would you what would you aim for with that? Definitely, kind of like a. I really like the profile of a hinkle just because it looks exactly like a trout, but I don't really like the open mouth. So, like, if I could get, like, a hinkle and then close the mouth and have it swim like a mother, I feel like that would be, like, my pers- like my perfect bait. Have you messed around with making your own baits at all? I feel like it's something everybody has done at one point in time or another. Yeah, I did it for a while, a couple years, and then it was just so hard to get them to swim right. Like, I think out of... I don't know, probably 30 or 40 baits I made. I maybe had 10 that worked. Yeah. And right. <laughs> dude, the, like with the wood prices the last couple of years, I was just like, I, I can't risk any more losing. Yeah. I'm just going to buy them made, pre-made and call it good. Dude, it's cheaper. I feel like, I feel like you're spending 70 or 80 bucks when on just wood and stuff to not even have it work. I'd rather spend 120 on a bait that's proven. Right. Um, are glide baits your go-to or like, do you like wake baits, top water, or just glides all you fish? I've never, well, here's the funny thing. I've never fished a wake bait. I had a Bubba in my very first trip out on my second cast. I smacked the motor and broke it in three pieces. And that was the only wake I had. I had a, a mothership the other day and I traded it for a rod, but definitely looking out for wakes i would love like a wade hogs um but i think overall like i'd say overall glides are my favorite i just feel like they draw more fish yeah i i think so too and it's just kind of i don't know dude it's like it's super cool to watch a fish blow up like i've seen it on video how many times but just watching a bone bait go back and forth glide bait just shooting back and forth and just seeing it like go nose up to the water and just like go down to the depths like that that's freaking hard to beat in my opinion yeah and like this year on a couple small fish i had on the hinkle they they were so small you want like one pounders they were so small you wouldn't feel them hit it but like you'd be gliding your bait and you just see the thing start swimming the other way yeah. like that was probably one of my favorites yeah dude it i don't know it's hard to beat i i want to mess around with wake baits and i i said it before on an earlier episode so that i i stick myself to it and hold myself accountable for it but it's it's hard to to set down the glide baits for the smallmouth. but what are what are some i mean by the sounds of it, you've caught a lot of freaking fish especially on like these bigger baits what are some of your like walk us through some of your favorite fish and some of the stories that you have like your favorite fish that you've caught so far 
well, my all-time favorite one, and it wasn't on a swim bait. It was on the Cinco in the earlier years. It was 11.75. It was just like a bluegill off the state record. And I remember I was fishing all day, and I never uh-huh. had a bite. And then it was like right before dark, I cast it in there. Didn't feel it. My line was swimming the other way. The other way. Set the hook, got it in the net, took videos. Our, well, all our phones were dead, but we had a GoPro for some odd reason. The one time we took it. And we got a video of it, measured it, weighed it, and put it back, and it swam off just fine. That that was probably my favorite. But in the swim bait, oh sorry, crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and 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 kind of in like if we're talking about swim baits, my all time favorite catch is I had a brand new Defiant two ten. Oliver told me to get for my area, and it was my very first cast of the day. I caught a seven eight, Uh, and these people were like sitting on their dock getting ready to swim and I caught it and they just started screaming and freaking out. <laughs> that is so badass. Yeah, dude, they, they love that defiant for a little while. And then I think they just got used to it. Um, one thing we, we didn't really get to touch on and I'm, I'm glad I glad you'd mentioned it before, before we started to close her off, but is there, you touched on a little bit before that you'd seen guys fishing HUDs is the swim bait bite something that has gotten populated there as far as like other people doing it or is it still kind of low-key it's kind of a mix of both like the more experienced guys i feel like are throwing a lot more huds um hopefully no one's listening to this but the glide baits is still kind of under wrap uh there's definitely people fishing them but not to like the caliber of a hinkle or a mother like they're all throwing like you know s waivers which i feel like is my advantage is these yeah. fish are kind of seeing these smaller glides and they get used to it, but then, you know, it's their first time seeing a big trout. So I, I feel like that kind of helps me out. But I, I, they, there's definitely people fishing them. You just don't really hear about them. Right. Like I have. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good, man. I was just, I was just saying, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one bait. Uh. I'm not really going to say the name of it right now. I don't know if you'd even consider it like a swim bait, but it's a big topwater bait that no one's fishing. And, dude, I wreck house in the summer on that thing. I, I, I don't think I went one trip this summer and didn't catch a five on it. Damn, dude. That's crazy. Um, I was just pulling up the numbers because you said like you didn't want to mention anything. Uh, so the percentage of people in Oregon who listen to the show is like like 6 or 7%. This is this is just off of like Spotify. Forty eight percent of people in Oregon are from Portland. Thirteen percent from McNeville. Mc- McMinnville. I don't even know where that is. If I'm being honest, <laughs> Salem, Florence. Salem is twelve percent. Medford is four percent. Lebanon, Lebanon, Leb- something like that, dude. I, I like. As much as I travel around the state, I have no idea like half these places. I know like Portland and Medford, that's about it. Um, and and I'm sure you're the only person in Eugene listening because there is greater than one less than one percent uh, of listeners in Oregon are from Eugene. <laughs> yeah, well, that's about that's about it. Uh, Boardman, Central Point, Legrand. Never heard of any of those places, but yeah, no, those are all like over east, I think. Okay, that makes sense. If you guys are listening, shout out to you guys. <laughs> yeah, not many of us around here, but yeah, it was it was actually funny. I just uh, I posted the story of you saying that you were on the show, and and somebody had slid up 
and was like, uh, oh, I, I know Dylan and he's a super good, super good kid and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool that, I mean, it had only been up for like 10 minutes and somebody had already slid up saying that they knew you. And I was like, oh, I did not know yeah. there was that many no. guys that were going to swim bait fish. <laughs> Dude, that kid, that guy's a stud. I shouldn't even be on here. He should be the one on here. Uh, that dude's caught more big fish than I have. I think, I think it was his wife on a Cinco caught an 11. I mean, dude, that Cinco in the earlier years, that was the bait to have. Yeah, dude, that's, do you think that these fish are reacting the same way to your big glide baits like they were back then or not even close? Obviously it's different cause it's, you know, six inches bigger and about four inches taller, but still. Personally, I feel like, yeah, that's a, so like, uh, you think of like Butch Brown, you know, back before all the pressure destroying the fish, and then you know now he still catches a lot, but not you know 110 pounders in a year. Right. It, it's kind of been opposite for me. I feel like you know these fish had so many trout back in the day that there was no point in eating this one, but now that like the pressure's kicked up, you know, there's more people out there catching and keeping the trout at my lake. And just the overall people, you know, pressure that when I come in with a bigger trout, they almost have. Yeah. Damn, dude, that's so freaking crazy. But that was that was everything I had on my list. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on while we're here in the moment? I think I covered it, man. There you go, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, for sure. I was... I, I know. So we had talked like a little bit, but I still like this was the most you and I have ever talked. Like we, had, you had texted me a couple times before, but nothing, nothing as far as like talking on the phone for almost two hours. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's just like crazy because when I first started swim bit fishing, I think you were one of the first people I ever followed on Instagram. Oddly, for some and, reason. <laughs> yeah, like watching you and seeing all the photos, like the bigger baits and like your stories of like missing fish it always kind of like made me go further into it like it always be like oh if he's killing them up there and he's using these big baits i should try it so it's kind of crazy to be on a podcast with you now talking about it yeah dude it was it was funny a couple of weeks ago just out of the blue you'd message me you're like oh my gosh i love skills and tails i'm like okay he's, he's gonna have to come on sometime soon then <laughs> yeah no dude when i heard daryl i think i uh I started paying attention to him after hearing the podcast and I saw a photo of a K9 rod he built and I was like, dude, I got to get a couple of those. Yeah, his his stuff is freaking legit, that's for sure. Um so like do you do you not post a lot on Instagram just to kind of keep your stuff under wraps? Is that what your is that what your idea is there? Uh I kind of like that. Um I don't know. Sometimes I'll just like go through and archive some of my photos that I think show too much. And then, you know, when the winter comes along, I'll, I'll like put them back out because now, you know, they can't go there and yeah. catch that, that same fish at that same time of year. Yeah, exactly. So, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. I just kind of go back and forth. I just kind of like messing with people in the same way too. Like I'll post one and some people like start DMing me and I'll just take it down. Cause then like they can't find that location. That's so funny. Um, Steven Clipper is the same way. Like he is like super low key about his stuff because there's a lot of guys who fish around him, and he's like, I'm not giving these guys any more information than I already yeah. have on the shows and stuff. Yeah, and I've gone through the whole cycles of you know lakes dying out and pressured, like my home lake that 
I can still go there and catch a couple fish, but it's definitely not what it used to be because of the pressure now. So I, I just kind of, I'm slowly starting to post like older photos from there because it's, it's dying out. Yeah. And it's, it's nice that I moved down here cause you know, swim baits are not a thing down here and not even that they were up home, but more people would see me catching fish on them or they'd see me fishing my spots and they were just getting more pressured and stuff now. So I'm like, Oh man, but moving down here, it's like, you know, fresh slate, like these fish have no idea what any of this stuff is. So it makes yeah. it pretty nice. Yeah. And you know, the only thing I can really like wish I went back and did is not like fish a bait for a year straight. Like if you like would mix it up, I feel like I would have had more success just because like on some of those lakes that the fish were fresh, you know, fresh to like the whole swim bait idea. Yeah. You know, I would throw a hinkle on a dock for a week straight and like the first, you know, day or two, you'd see one that was like eight and then it'd start, you know, dwindling down. So I feel like if I would have like, you know, thrown a HUD and mixed some other baits in there that they wouldn't have got used to it as fast. Yeah, that's what I think this year I'm going to fish the taxi trout and the depths 250 a lot in my river for smallmouth and stuff. And there's there's a bunch of other baits I want to try out, but I think they definitely kind of know what the baby paperweight is and the S waivers are. So I'm like, I, I need to branch out. And I've caught I've caught plenty of smallmouth on uh, on the 250 in like lakes and stuff where they're not as, you know, ferocious as they are here in the river. So I don't think there's going to be much of a problem with those at all. Yeah, no, I think you just, you definitely got to switch it up. And I think, like, when I think of catching a state record, it's going to be something that the fish haven't seen. Like, I don't think it's going to come on a jig. I think it'll come on something, like, odd, like a big frenzy or something. Are A-rigs big out there yet? Like, live target and A-rigs? Most of our lakes are all milfoil, so no one really fishes them because I think most people f think of fishing the A-rigs on, like, bottom. Yeah. I mean, we got a couple lakes I know that, that get A-rigged, but for the most part, not really. Hmm. It's interesting. But like you said, I'm sure it'll be something like something that not everybody even knows about that'll, that'll catch a fish of that caliber. What's your guys' state record? I believe it's 12.16. Damn, dude. So which... Sorry. Yours, yours is about a pound more than ours is, which is absolutely crazy. Like your, your fish would have broke our state record yeah crazy it, it, it's definitely weird but like i've seen a couple that were over that for sure i think i lost one this year that was about that size so it, it's all gonna it's gonna happen eventually how do you just before we close it out how do you deal with losing these big fish like it sounds like like you've talked about catching a lot of good sized fish but you've talked about lot, losing a lot of big fish like how do you you just kind of sit down at the bottom of your boat and cry for a couple minutes and then go back at it or how do you how do you go about it oh dude my dad's that way i had an eight pounder come in the net this year that swam out because there was a hole in it and he sat there just dead but mm -hmm. i just kind of keep going because i know if one will bite you know there's got to be another one that size in the mood damn dude yeah it your your story for only being 17 is absolutely badass and uh i think like reading reading that in pursuit of giant bass i think you'll maybe pull some ideas or you'll you'll build on some ideas you have and i think i don't know dude i think it would help you a lot not saying that you obviously don't know what you're doing but i think like that might that might give you some insight of some stuff you've never thought of before for sure yeah no i definitely don't think you can have enough knowledge so anything helps do you like 
do you consider yourself a trophy bass fisherman or are you just kind of going out there and just catching fish you know that's a good question i like the, i want to consider myself a trophy guy but you know there's some days i'll go out there throw a hinkle for a couple hours not have a fish and i'll pick up a jig you know just to catch something yeah i i in my words i would say you are definitely a trophy fisherman and from whatever loose definition i have in my mind right now yeah yeah well thank you man yeah dude um I think that's about everything that I, I had off the top of my head that I had wrote down and stuff for us to talk about at least. Yeah, I think I think we're good. When well when you catch the thirteen pounder this spring, you can you will come back on and we'll we'll reevaluate the state record and, and talk about some more stuff. Yeah, no, I definitely I got a couple other topics I'd like to talk about, including that whole state record thing. Hell yeah, dude. Well, We'll get you on again for sure, and we'll we'll talk about that. Hopefully, like I said, maybe maybe we'll catch a thirteen or something, something wicked, and we'll talk about that. Talk about that story. Or do you guys have lake records out there? Like, are those documented? Docu- documented? Weirdly enough, no. We uh, Oregon doesn't even count spotted bass as a record. Uh, I know one of my buddies got like an eleven something, and they just completely disregard them. Damn, dude. We don't. As far as I know, Michigan doesn't have any lake records either, which is really shitty because I think. I think it'd be super cool to have, but I just don't think they want to put that much time and money into it, especially when there's trout. And I've read the numbers before. Michigan makes like somewhere north of like $250 million a year off trout and stuff. So I understand. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's the same way out here with the salmon and steelhead. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Just a couple of bass guys in a a trout world, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, Dylan, I want to thank you for coming on. It was it was a blast. I will honestly say that we talked about a lot more stuff than I thought we were going to. We got got down a couple of rabbit holes and it was it was it was nice hearing because obviously a lot of guys I've had on are older than me, but I've never had anybody on that, that's that obviously is like 17 or younger than me like that, that has been able to talk about the stuff that you did. Like there's not many 17 year olds that are dropping you know six hundred dollars on a hinkle trout that's just not a thing at all (laughs) and i think that's super badass yeah no it's it's not as rare anymore or i guess it's it's still rare but you know back in my day you'd never hear of like a 14 year old swim bait fishing which is kind of what set me out from a lot of the people i feel like yeah dude that's that's for sure um what are what are your socials for anybody who wants to follow on what you're doing uh, my Instagram is just Dylan.Borsek, and I think that's it for my Facebook too, but my, you have, uh, sw- you have like cast catches on YouTube or anything? I do not. I don't post any of that just because, you know, I don't want to give out the legs, but I'm going to try and do better this year about that. Do you have a lot of your fish on cast to catch? Not a lot of them. I got a couple of them. Uh, my bigger ones. I just kind of go out and mess around that day, yeah, which is yeah. weird. So I'm going to try and get a GoPro in the boat, but I got, I got a couple. Hell yeah, dude. That's freaking awesome. But I'll leave all your stuff in, uh, in the description for anybody who wants to check it out. Obviously give Dylan a follow because his, he's doing something pretty crazy up there in Oregon, especially as a, as a young guy. Um, but yeah, dude, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, like I said, your, your, all your socials will be in the description. Um, Make sure if you guys don't already follow the uh, follow the podcast Instagram Scales and Tails underscore podcast on Instagram uh, Scales and Tails on Facebook and then 
Oh man, uh, got a couple more days left for the December sticker to buy a sticker, enter into win the flag 255, and then the Rob's custom uh, trout glide. Uh, Patreon, Patreon. Uh, I think it's a Scales and Tails podcast. It's where I'm posting a bunch of stuff that you guys have no idea it's going on unless you're on the Patreon. I think it's like five dollars gets you an automatic uh, re up every month for one sticker, and then the ten dollars gets you like behind the scenes and obviously the sticker too. Um, a lot of big stuff is going to be announced here in the next couple of days. You guys will be hearing this on Thursday, and I think I'm going to hold out on some of the announcements until the the second of twenty, the second of January, twenty twenty three, because kind of bring in the new year that way. Other than that, I think that is about everything. Like I said, I want to thank Dylan for for taking some time out of his day. I know he's on he's on a holiday break right now, but I still appreciate him coming on and, and taking some time out of this uh, December. So it's probably kind of a dead period for you as far as like going out and catching a lot of fish, huh? Yeah, no, it, December's the dead year. January gets a little better, but yeah, I, I just sit at home, do nothing. Oh, this was a perfect time then. But like I said, I want to thank Dylan for coming on. I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode because, like I said, it was super fun to record, super fun to talk to Dylan finally. And, I I mean, it was just super cool to hear how he does it in Oregon. It's it's obviously quite a bit different than I do it here, and it's different than I've heard the guys in Washington do. But like I said, I want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to everybody next time. See you guys.